with us here today and um, I appreciate their uh, their faithfulness and their desire to contribute to this atmosphere of worship today. I'm reading from the book of Job chapter 19. I felt that the Lord dealt with me earlier in this week. I'm reading beginning with verse 25. It says, I know for I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. And I want to preach for a little while. I know my Redeemer lives. God bless you so much. I want to say that redemption, redemption is a legal act. You're, you're welcome to make yourself comfortable, saints. I'm going to preach a little bit here. Uh, redemption is a legal act, and redemption is often a sacrificial act, and redemption is sometimes an act of mercy. Redemption acknowledges that some rights have been given away or have been taken away, and it would cost something to get them back. Now, the Old Testament law dealt with people who became so poor that they used their possessions and sometimes even their own lives, their own bodies, to pay their debts. It's like a man today who, who has already paid for his house, but he's faced with a debt. So he goes back to the bank and mortgages his house that's already paid for so that he can borrow money to pay some other debt. Then the danger is that when that act is done, somebody else owns, even if it's temporary, somebody else owns that possession that was once yours. And um, that was so in the scriptures. Sometime uh, that person who who sold their or mortgage their property or even mortgage their bodies or their children to become servants uh, that during that period of time they were not their own. They belonged. They, they were the possession of somebody else and had to do their bidding. 25th chapter of Leviticus deals with that. It said, if your brother be waxing poor and hath sold some of his possession, and if any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. And if the man have none to redeem it, and himself be able to redeem it, then let him count the years of the sale thereof, and restore the overplus unto the man to whom he sold it, that he may return unto his possession. But if he be not able to restore it to him, then that which is sold shall remain in the hand of him that hath bought it. And here's an exception in the Israeli law that God put. He will keep it until the year of Jubilee, and in the Jubilee it shall go out, and he shall return unto his possession. Fortunately for these Israelites, every 50 years, there was a special year set aside called the year of Jubilee. And if the man could not pay, that property needed to stay in his family forever. And so in the year of Jubilee, whoever had 
taken possession, had to return that possession to him. Now, in real life, this is not the case. Because if you cannot pay your debt, the property becomes the possession of the new owner. So that's the principle of pawn shops. Somebody needs some money and they bring their guitar into the pawn shop and say, I'd like to, pawn, I'd like to borrow some money against this guitar. And, and uh, the, the dealer will look at it and offer a price that's less than the value of the guitar. And he'll put a date on it. Now, when you pay this money back, you're going to have to pay interest. It's going to cost you some interest. But if you do not pay it, the guitar is mine. If you don't pay this by the debt, if you've mortgaged, if you've mortgaged this guitar to me, when the date comes and you've not paid, this is mine and I'll sell it again. Now, see, this is the same principle, same, same thing that happens today. Uh, with our property, you every year you pay property taxes. And if you do not pay your property taxes, the city, the county will sell your property at public auction. Clerk of court will, uh, they will announce it in the newspaper. They'll list all these properties, the, the, the tax map numbers, and there's your property tax number and on this certain monday first monday usually used to be first monday of october uh, on the steps of the courthouse the clerk of court would be there and he would say here's these properties uh, uh, what do i bid for property number and he will give the number of your property and it may be that that property would have to start at a certain amount because that's the amount that you owed in taxes and you did not pay and so the bidding goes and, and it may be that the bidding goes much higher than the taxes that you owed. But if you want to redeem that property, you're going to have to come back in the allotted time and pay everything that that person bid for your property plus interest on that money. I'll just say that the property that I live on now was sold for taxes. It was a little over an acre, acre and a quarter. There were $16 in taxes owed against that property and it was not paid. And so on the day of the tax sale, of course it was during a time that, that money was short. By the time they got to this piece of property, there were only two people left bidding. It was myself and another gentleman. And the man said, I have this property. Opening bid is $16. What would you bid? And so I said, $50. The other gentleman looked at me and said, do you want this property? Okay, I won't bid. So I bought that for $50. A year and a half passed and nobody redeemed that property. And that property became mine. My house sits on that property today. Because redemption is a legal matter. And sometimes it's sacrificial and sometimes it's an act of mercy. I'm just going to say that, you know, God's intention for the Israelites is that they would own their land forever. At a man's death, his son would own that land and it would supposedly stay in the family forever. And it was a tragedy. If a man ever had to mortgage his land. 
I'm going to say my focus today is that God's intention for the human race was the same thing. The Bible said we were made in God's image. We were placed, and I, when I say we, I'm talking about mankind, Adam and Eve. We were placed in a paradise of God's favor and blessings. But man sold himself to Satan with his sin. Mankind, Adam and Eve, mortgaged themselves. They sold themselves to be the servant of Satan with their sin. But God said, I'm going to redeem them. And a little story that one of my instructors used to tell when I was in Bible college. And this was a little, uh, a little lady who was one of the last victims of polio. She had little aluminum crutch that she, crutches that she used and, and one of the first electric wheelchairs that I ever saw in my life. But she would, uh, she would come in, into our classroom at the college and, and she told a little story that had been told a lot of times. She said there was a boy that built a boat and, um, he put care into it, loved it, took it down to the pond one day to uh, float his boat and uh, he's staying close to the edge, but uh, a breeze came and caught the sails and took the boat out into the pond further than, than he could go. And soon the boat took the stream flowing out of the pond on downstream finally somewhere else to a river, somewhere, and it was lost to this boy. But one day when he was walking downtown, he passed a plate glass window of a store, and he saw his boat in the window of the store, and he went in and said, Sir, uh, that's my boat. I'd like to have it. And the man says, No, this is my boat now. Somebody brought it to me, and I bought it, and I have it for sale. If you want this boat... You'll have to buy it back. So the boy went away and earned the money to come back and buy his own boat. And the store clerk heard him speaking as he walked out of the store with the boat in his hand and said, Little boat, you are twice mine. You are mine because I made you, but now you're mine because I bought you. And this is the story of God himself. He said, I will redeem mankind. It was going to be a legal act. It was going to be sacrificial. It was going to be an act of mercy. God made a body for himself. There was a day that angels shouted out in, from the sky to shepherds on a hillside. And they said, don't be afraid because today's a good day. It's a day of good tidings. For today there's born to you a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Here's a sign. You're going to find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's lying in a manger. You need to understand that this is a miracle from heaven. The Messiah has come. And with hurried feet, they rushed to see this newborn baby who was going to be the redeemer, the redeemer of the world. It was a, it was a sacrifice, you see, for him 
to do this. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to it that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. To do this, God, who is a spirit, had to take on a body because he's going to say the price tag for me to purchase back my people. I'm going to have to pay it with blood, but a spirit don't have flesh and bones. And spirit don't have blood, so God made a body for himself. He found a virgin who was pure, somebody who had who had protected her virtue. And according to the word, he prophetically had spoken over 600 years earlier himself through Isaiah. He chose that virgin, overshadowed her, caused her to give birth to a baby boy and said, this is my body now. This is my flesh, my bone. God was in Christ. The Bible said that he was in the world. The world was made by him. The world didn't know who he was. John chapter 1 verse 10. He walked through this world looking through eyes that he himself had created. He walked on feet that he himself had designed. He designed the the bone structure, the muscular structure in our body. He designed the nerve system. He designed every organ, every system. He designed these bodies. The Bible said we were made in his image. He planned this image from eternity past. And he walked through this world. But see, the price the Redeemer was going to pay included him living in this human body. It cost him something. The scripture says for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. The thing that was poverty for him was that he had no boundaries. He he didn't have to slumber or sleep. He never was thirsty. He was never, he was never tired. He was never weary. He was never, he was never limited by the things of the flesh. But in this fleshly body, he hungered. He thirsted. He was weary. He was abused. He, he was battered. He, he, he gave up the liberty, the freedom from all those things to put himself in a human body because he's going to be my redeemer. The price of being the Redeemer is going to include the fact that He's going to take the sins, my sins, onto His sinless body. Scripture said, For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane He prayed. The Bible says that He went a little further and fell on His face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. Sometimes people say, Well, He was saying, Lord, don't let me suffer the pain of the nails. I don't believe that's what He was saying. He was saying, Let the cup pass. I don't want to drink... I don't want to drink the dirty, filthy failures of sin. I don't want to feel the reproach, the shame, the ignominy of being filthy and covered with disgusting sin. And yet he took my sin on himself. He took your sin on him. If you're sitting in your living room with your Bible in your hand, you ought to lift your hand again and thank God that you saw me in my sinful condition. You saw me when I was undone, when I was lost, when I was on my way to hell, and I was worth enough to you that you went to Calvary to pay the price of my sin. You took that filth. You tasted the bitterness of failure. You you tasted the shame and the reproach of being a reprobate sinner. You did that for me. 
This is why the scripture said in you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us which is contrary to us and took it out of the way nailing it to his cross. He took that filth. He took the load of sin that was mine. The burden. The, the load that we, we've carried. I'm going to tell you you were born in sin. You were shaped in iniquity. You, you were born with the judgment and the penalty. You were born already under the curse of somebody else's dominion. You had already been mortgaged. You were born in that circumstance and I'm just going to say if you're born with that nature then you're going to fulfill that nature all of sin that comes short of the glory of God if you were born with that nature when you were old enough to sin you committed sin nobody's ever come before the Lord and said God I've never committed any sin no that nature was in us and when we when we became old enough to be conscious of our action we did things that were against the spirit and, and, and the will of God. That nature is there. I've said this a lot of time. I didn't say it first. I'm repeating somebody else. We a little uh, a little animal is born, and we don't say, "Well, we don't know if this is a cat or a dog." We'll wait, and and then so finally the the little animal barks, and we say, "Okay, he's a dog because he barked," and that is not true. He's not a dog because he barked. He barked because he is a dog. That nature is there. And the nature of sin was in us. We were born with that. We needed a redeemer. We needed somebody that would pay the penalty for us. We didn't have the price to pay our own debt. We couldn't come out because our blood wasn't uh, sinless blood. The blood of bulls and goats that were as sacrificial animals that were offered as a substitute. The Bible said the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take our sins away. It had to be somebody else. And so the Redeemer said, I'm going to redeem man to myself. I'll make this body. I'll walk around this earth in this body that I've made. I'm going to take my own body to the cross. I'm just going to say that the bloody steps through Jerusalem Street, the staggering climb up Golgotha's hill, the beaten body on Calvary's cross was the price that Redeemer was willing to, to pay to erase my debt. He said, if I pay your debt, you can have again the possession of my favor and blessing. You can again have fellowship with me and you can have an eternity in my presence. That's what he offered. That's what redemption does for us. That's why Calvary's costly sacrifice, the tomb that Jesus was buried in and the resurrection, those events made the day of Pentecost possible and made the message of the day of Pentecost the gospel that saves us. You, you see, my, my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. And the fact that He lived and took His sacrificed body to the cross and raised it again, made it possible on the day of Pentecost for Him to pour out His Spirit. The same Spirit that dwelt in that body of Jesus Christ is the Spirit that He gives to dwell in us. Jesus said, the miracles I do are not of myself. It's the Father that dwells within me. But the Bible said, if the same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, it'll quicken your mortal bodies. That's why the Bible said in Ephesians 4 verse 6, there's one God and Father 
Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. The Spirit I have inside is the mighty God. His name is Jesus. He is my Redeemer. He is my Savior. He's the one who sanctifies me. That means He separates me from sin. He separated me from the chains of my bondage. He set me free from the legal hold that was over me. And we're going to say we're living in some difficult times and they're new. But my Redeemer lives. There have been other times in history that were difficult. The Black Death was one of the most devastating pandemics in human history. Resulted in the death of estimated 75 to 200 million people in Eurasia. It peaked in Europe from 1347 to 1351. 75 to 200 million people. We haven't reached those numbers yet with the coronavirus. But during the Black Death, the Redeemer was alive. I want to say World War II was the deadliest military conflict in history. Estimated total of 70 to 85 million people perished. It was about, a th- about 3% of the whole world population at that time. But during World War II, the Redeemer was alive. Man. Six million Jewish people were murdered during the genocide in Europe in the years leading up to 1945. The total for all countries showed an estimated 58% of all Jews in Europe were killed during the Holocaust. But the Redeemer was alive while Hitler in his demonic rampage caused this brutal holocaust. The Redeemer was alive. I'm going to say there have been some times of pain, sacrifice, and death, but through every generation, there's remained one thing constant. Our Redeemer lives. Our Redeemer lives. Our text, we read Job in our text, we said, I might not live through this trial, but my Redeemer's alive, and someday I'm going to see him with these eyes. Hear what he said? I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. My eyes shall behold, and not another though my reins be consumed within me. It just, throughout time, you see Job was part of that group. Job, Abraham, David, Joseph, Moses, many others that lived in the Old Testament before the angels announced the shepherds that a Messiah was born. They looked ahead in time and they knew their Redeemer was alive and that someday they were going to see Him. So today, our, our world... Is reeling. It's uncertain. There's, I do believe the coronavirus is real. I've already said, uh, I'm thankful for everything that governments are doing to try to contain it till they can find some kind of cure, isolate it until it dies out, or what, whatever the answer is. We're having to face some realities and do things different than we've done before. If you have been to Walmart like I have, you've walked in up and down rows of empty shelves. You've looked at people that, that are walking around looking puzzled. 
because their cereal's not there and and the lunch meat's gone from the shelves and and uh, it's made some people afraid. It's made some people start reassessing some things. You've probably changed the value of some things in your life. I mentioned to somebody yesterday, I did have to go to the store. And I said, this is probably what it's felt like for many years to people who lived in Russia. Who had to go to stores with empty shelves, very not the overplus that we're so used to here in America. We're, we're so familiar with excess. We're so used to walking in and being able to purchase things we don't need and may not even want, but just because it's there, we load it in our buggies and we take it home and we're used to that. But we're facing a different reality today. And some people are uncertain. And for some... The most important message that they're hearing, in fact, everything just about that you hear, the newspaper, the news, whatever, when the president comes on, when our, when our governor, when our uh, civic leaders come on, that's the biggest topic of the day. But I'm going to say that the most important message today is not the coronavirus. The most important message today is my Redeemer's alive. My Redeemer lives. Hey, this is going to pass. This will be over someday whether we live through it or die. My Redeemer is alive. And one day I'm going to see Him. He's on a throne. My Redeemer. Here's what He said. Thus saith the Lord, Thy Redeemer, He that formed thee from the womb. I'm the Lord that makes all things that stretch forth the heavens alone, spread abroad the earth by Myself. And He said, One day I'm going to say to the north, Give up. And to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that's called by my name. You see, you better be called by the name of the Lord if you want to be part of the redeemed when the resurrector comes. How do I get called by his name? I'm going to tell you what the, the gospel message is. The message that was preached on the birthday of the church by people who the Lord had opened their understanding, had spent three years teaching, and to the apostle Peter, who Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Here's what they preached when people said, what do we have to do? We want to know what to do to be saved. Then Peter said to them, repent. That means you ask God to forgive your sins. Tell them you're sorry. I won't turn my life around. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I'm going to tell you what. There, there's a reason for you to be baptized. You're not doing it to join a church. You're not doing it to sign somebody's ledger. You're doing it so the blood of Jesus will wash your sins away and make you purged and clean. You're doing it in Jesus' name and not any other name. For neither is there salvation in any other name. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You better be baptized in Jesus' name if you want the Redeemer to redeem you and claim you. And then he said he's promised to fill us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Early church got it. They knew they received it because they began to speak with other languages, other tongues as the Spirit began to speak through them. The same gift is available for us today. Peter said this promises to you and your children, to all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want to say today that my Redeemer is alive. One day I'm going to see Him. 
I want you to be there. It may be that somebody in your home right now, maybe you've never asked God to forgive your sins. Maybe you've never asked Him to turn your life around. I want to pray for you. There may be somebody at home right now and, and you're filled with the Spirit of the Lord. You're looking for the day that the Redeemer is going to come. But you may be plagued with some sickness in your body. There may be something that, that, that you've been battling against while the praise team's getting ready to sing again. I want to, I want to pray with you right now. Would you pray with me? Join me in your homes where you are. In Jesus' name, Lord God, I pray for the church family. I pray for friends that are joined in having church with us today. I pray, oh Lord God, that in their homes, in their living rooms, around their their. Uh, uh, dining tables wherever they're meeting. I pray, oh God, that you would put your hand on their lives. I pray you would fill somebody with your spirit. Let there be a prayer of repentance in somebody's heart today. If somebody's never turned their heart over to you, oh God, would you let them confess their sins? Ask your forgiveness. Ask to be filled with your spirit. Oh Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray for those who have sickness in their body, their diseases. I pray for those who have fears. I pray that you destroy those fears let them have confidence in you if there's somebody that's never been washed in your blood I pray oh God you let them be baptized in your name let them be filled with the glory of your spirit let them prepare themselves for something more important than this virus that's sweeping our land let them know who you are the redeemer let the redeemed of the Lord oh God let the redeemed of the Lord say so fill our hearts oh God with your goodness and your blessings I speak the word of faith into somebody's heart today. I speak a word of promise into somebody's life. I speak hope for somebody who's been afraid. I, I pray the covering of God's favor over you. I pray that the peace of God would fill your home. I pray the blood of Jesus Christ would cover your lives. I, I pray that the, that, that the blessings of God would be poured out over you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, may the blessings of God be on your life. Ask the praise team, close this service out for us. Uh, join us in this final song as we sing. What does it mean to be saved? Isn't it more than just a prayer to pray? More than just a way to heaven? Yes. What does it mean to be saved? To be born in His likeness, know that we have a purpose. To be salt and light in the world, in the world. To be salt and light in the world. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 